Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tuesday Tips brought to you by the Hunt Lift Eat Podcast. I'm Carter and I'm uh, here with a couple HLE fellas. We got Brian, we got Josh, we got Chris. What's going on guys? What's up bud, how are you? Good dude, good to have you guys on here. Um, It's spring, it's actually spring for real finally here in Georgia and uh, that's got me thinking about next hunting season already so I thought it'd be perfect to get a couple guys on here who know their way around a bow know their way around archery and are familiar um and you know we're talking tips for buying a new bow today and i kind of wanted to see where you guys are at see if we could talk some tips to our uh, listeners here and you know i've bought a couple i've got a couple bows under my belt there are some things that i wish i would have known some things i wish i would have done better especially on my first one um and if we can help people try and avoid those mistakes or things they need to consider when they're purchasing bows. That's what we're talking about here today. Cool. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So let's jump into it. Um, Chris, what do we, you know, what do we got to consider when we're buying a new bow? So the bow design and the way it's built is going to work or with or against the intended use of what you're going to do. So basically what I mean by that is if I'm hunting here out of a tree stand or a blind, uh, primarily for whitetail, I might choose a different bow than if I was living out West and hunting elk and stalking everything and hiking, um, and like hunting elk and mule deer and that. And the reason being is because here, especially where I am in new England, um, I know a lot of the terrain is similar in the Southeast. You have real tight woods and most of your shots are going to be under 30 yards. Um, so you, you, you have shorter shots on top of the fact that you're hunting out of a tree stand and out of a blind. So you don't want a real long bow. So what we're going to look at first is going to be axle to axle. That measurement is basically from the center of the cam, um, center of the top cam to the center of the bottom cam. And that length is going to either work well for you or work well against you. And there's trade-offs for that. So a short axle to axle bow, which is what I shoot here, is going to be a lot more maneuverable. It's going to be smaller and it's going to not get hung up as much on branches and trees. And uh, you're going to have more maneuverability in a ground blind. So that's why you'll see a lot of whitetail hunters with a short axle to axle bow. Now, conversely, if you're hunting out west, a long axle to axle bow will give you more stability and more forgiveness. So generally you want a, a nice long axle length um, because your shots are going to be longer. I mean, it's not uncommon to take 60 to 80 yard shots at elk out West if you're hunting an open meadow or something like that. So you, you might want that longer, more forgiving, more stability, um, accuracy at length. And plus, it generally is more open out west, so you don't have to worry about uh, the the size of the bow or the dimension of the bow holding you back. Now, another thing we're going to look at is what's called brace height. And the brace height is how far away the string sits from the center of the riser. So if you're looking at the bow vertically, the bow straight up and down, the distance basically from the riser or what's called the burger hole, um, which is the, the dead center of the riser, um, to the, the bowstring at rest, that's your brace height. Now, a longer brace height, so if that 
distance is farther away, it'll generally be more accurate, but it's going to be slower. Um, and the reason being is because the bowstring is in contact with the arrow for a shorter amount of time. If you have a long brace height, it gets rid of the arrow and, um, and doesn't, if you flinch or torque the bow after the arrow is released, it, it has no impact. So if you have a short brace height, now they're coming in around five inches, sometimes even, um, that short brace height, the string is in contact with the arrow for longer. So there's more power generated and it makes the arrow faster, but it's more susceptible to, uh, inconsistencies with your form or torque or something like that, or flinching. So, um, brace height can play a role too. Uh, and those are two things I look at most other than that, everything's going to go kind of by feel, um, or, like smaller aspects that don't play quite as much of a role. Um, for the most part, modern bows are going to have shorter brace heights. So now, like I said, it's, it's common to see five or six inch brace heights. Um, whereas 15 years ago, a seven inch brace height was common. Um, and on trad bows, you'll see seven or eight inch brace height. So those are two pretty, pretty commonly looked at measurements that you'll see again, axle to axle is going to be the first thing you look at because that's, that's going to kind of reflect on your forgiveness and it's also going to play a role in your maneuverability. Brian, as the other fellow archery somewhat expert here out of Josh and I, for sure. Uh, how does that sound to you? Now that's all, that's all right. Um, the only thing that I would add to that is cause I shot a, my first bow is a 28 inch bow. I'm only five, eight. Um, so my draw length's at 28 inches. Uh, but that short axle to axle made my string angle so extreme that I was having to really torque the peep into the string, um, to get it to line up right. Uh, which then in turn shortened the distance I could actually shoot the bow. So, um, I couldn't drop my sight down far enough to get much past 70 yards because I had to torque that peep so much. Uh, I just bought a new bow. I actually went to a 33 inch axle to axle. I bought the Hoyt Z1S. Um, so I'm going to have to, I've already planned it out. I'm going to have to do a little bit of extra trimming in the areas that I do hunt because it is a little bit longer to axle to axle. Um, I, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm only five, eight. So that 33 inch bow is it's got a six inch brace height and it is wicked fast. Um, it's, it's insane fast and I can hold it long enough that I can be accurate with it. Um, but the shorter axle to axle 31 is really my sweet spot, but I couldn't find a bow that length that I produced the speed that I wanted with, I didn't want to go over 70 pounds. I could pull 70 all day. I shoot every day. Um, I could have got into an 80 pound plus bow, but there, there's no reason for that. In my opinion, I, I there's. I've got three shoulder surgeries on one shoulder. I don't need to push it. So, um, all, all the other, you know, physical acrements are, are perfect spot on of what Chris was saying. Um, the only thing that I say is like we talked about a little bit previous, the big box stores generally have a guy who's watched one or two YouTube videos and say, Oh, I know how to tune a bow. I can set it up. I can tie in your peep and you know, but when, they, when you go to those big box stores, just me personally, I went to one in Charleston, South Carolina, just to just to hold an elite because the new elite line looks phenomenal. Um, and they had the main string zip tied so tight 
to the bus cables that it was pulling the, the mm. serving. And I was like, what are you, what are you guys doing? It's okay if you want to do this to prevent people, just random guys walking off the street trying to pull a bow back. Okay. But don't, don't tighten them down this far. And he's like, what do you mean? Do you want to shoot it? And I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to touch this thing. Yeah. Um, no, it's, yeah. That's hurting the actual mechanics of the bow. Yeah. You're tearing apart the serving. You're, you know, you're pulling on it and, and the way it's not supposed to be pulled on. Um, so find a local pro shop, do your research, look at the reviews, go in and talk to them. I mean, you can do a ton of research on your own and say, these are the things to and to not look for. And then as you're setting it up, um, pay attention, look at what they're doing, listen to what they're saying, ask questions. That's, I mean, there's no such thing as a dumb question. If you go to a good pro shop and they just kind of take you to the back and set it up and just hand it to you, you, you probably need to go to another pro shop and say, Hey, what did they do to this thing? So I can understand and just start learning. You know, that's, I mean, that's how I started. I went to a pro shop here local and, uh, was a good friend of mine was Botech, And he said, I want you to shoot everything. He's, he knows me. He knows the way I shoot. He knows where I'm going to be. Um, and it, it just, it just so happened. I mean, we were taking grips off of bows. We were adjusting draw weights. We were changing weights. We were doing everything we could. And he said, just blank bail into it. Close your eyes. Don't worry about it. Let's see how you feel. He had me bring two of my own arrows and just start ripping. Um, and it, it was phenomenal. That was the, probably one of the best experiences that I've ever had is an actual pro shop with a guy that I've, I've known for a little while. And, you know, we had great conversation the whole time. I was, I was there for probably four or five hours setting the bow up to me just to make sure it's right. You don't get that. Yeah. You don't get that at a big box store. Yeah. Don't show up at a bow shop an hour before they close too and expect to buy a bow because it's a long process. And something that I should have mentioned before, probably as far as measurements goes, the bow needs to be fitted to you. So your draw length is going to be specific to you. So uh, bows generally come in half inch increments and then you're going to fall somewhere within there. Um, anywhere really from, I mean, some, uh, children and women will be in like the 24 inch range. And, and I have some good friends that shoot like a a 33 inch draw length, which is crazy long. Um, so you're going to have to figure out exactly what draw length you are before you can move forward buying or ordering a bow too. Um, so even if they have the bow that you want in stock, that's where the, the time is. So getting that bow set up to you and, and, uh, dialing it in and getting it set exactly how you want. So yeah, don't show up to a bow shop an hour before they close and expect to walk out the door with a bow with a happy shop guy on the counter. (laughs) We went, we went so far as to tear fletchings off one of my arrows and just to get the paper tune just right, because with the Hoyts, you have to change the bushings over on the either side of the cam axle. And that's, he was like, Hey, do you want to do this? I said, yeah, let's, let's do it. If we're going to take the time, we're going to do it right. So, I mean, literally tore fletchings off of one of my personal arrows in the shop and shot it through paper just to make sure it was, you know, in time and that it wasn't tearing left or right or we had to shim anything anywhere. And and I walked out, it was perfect. Well, and archery is one of those things like y'all probably remember like Brian and Chris, y'all probably, or maybe you don't, I don't know. You may have had somebody who taught you everything that you guys know. Or you've just learned along the way from maybe people at the big box store that have let you down and you were like hey I, you know i'm gonna figure this out myself but there's there's such 
there's a huge margin for error, right? Or maybe not like severe error, not to be over dramatic, but like there's a lot of tuning and personalization and like customization that has to go into it. Like you're talking about, Chris, like to make it your bow, like the, your bow mm -hmm. should be for you, right? Right. Exactly. It's so customizable. It's like, it's like getting your freaking, <laughs> your, your first wand in Harry Potter or like, I don't know, like it's for you. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of customization and, you know, the bow or Josh, maybe a better example instead of a nerdy Harry Potter reference would be like when you go in and buy a new guitar, right? That's a lot better. Let's stick with that. If you're, if you're buying a guitar from, you know, one of the big box stores like, you know, Music City or like Guitar Center and you go in there and buy it from some Yahoo, you know, you could just walk out of there with a $500 guitar that may not be the right fit for you. That's right. And, uh, there's, there's a lot of that that goes into it. And you need to be able to trust the people that you're purchasing a, a bow from, like you're saying, Brian. You need to find yeah. a reput reputable pro shop. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's like buying a pair of jeans. I mean, every company has the same size jeans, but Fuck, some are going to fit. I regret using the Harry Potter reference. Yeah, now. some jeans, are going to fit better. And, yeah, <laughs> like a, you buy a 32, 30 size pair of jeans from Levi's. It's a little bit different than Wrangler. It's a little bit different than whatever other company there is. Um, and that you're going to kind of see that variance from the different bow manufacturers too, is a 27 and a half inch draw length from Matthews is going to be different than Hoyt and it, not, not a huge difference. I mean, you'll probably shoot the same, but it's just going to, your anchor point's going to be slightly different. Um, it's just going to line up just, just a little bit differently. And there, there's a lot that goes into that too. Um, just how the bow's designed, how the, the cams are designed and everything. And those are all, that's what these guys are going to get into next is, uh, finding the bow that feels good to you once yeah. you find the bow that fits you. So there's fit and then there's feel and, uh, and you guys can take that away. That's huge. And I'm not as well versed as you, Chris, or you, Brian with bows. But one of the things I had written down was shoot every bow at the pro oh, yeah. shop when you're going to buy a bow, like shoot all of them. And, you might have to go, go to two to three one. different pro shops. Yeah. And shoot and that's the one fine. that feels right. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, if you say, hey, look, I want to shoot some other ones that you don't have, I'll be back. Or I'll call you and let you know that I've decided to go somewhere else. Um, and and that's, that's all the difference in the world. A good pro shop will be like, okay, I want you to shoot everything. Yep. If I don't carry it, there's probably a reason for business, whatever. But if, if they really want you, I mean, they want your business, they won't necessarily push a sale that day they're going to look for the longevity of you coming back to them. Yep. And that's, you know, and that's a conversation that even the owner of the shop that I bought my bow from her and I had, and it was just phenomenal. She goes, you know, you may not buy something today and that's okay. I want you to shoot everything. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know? Um, and that's like, a, like Chris was saying, it all comes down to that fit and finish that feel. And I mean, we were literally taking grips off of bows and shooting them to see, to try and get the thing out, put a stabilizer on it. He's grabbing stabilizers off the shelf that he's trying to actively sell. We're putting on the bows and we're going through everything. And it just, yeah. it came down to what felt the best in my hand. That could be a full day affair right there. Oh yeah. Almost oh, yeah. five hours, five hours. Yeah. Shoot them all. Shoot the, shoot the high end and then shoot the middle and lower ends, right? Literally shoot them mm -hmm. all and don't, I've done this before. Don't go in there and just buy the brand that, you know, your buddy tells you you need to buy. Like, hey, dude, you know, you have to buy a Hoyt or you have to buy whatever, right? Don't mm -hmm. 
don't do that, man. Go shoot them no. all because I was hell bent on buying the new Hoyt, and then ended up shooting it, and it was fine. And then shot. I ended up walking out of there with a Botech, which like yeah. Yep. I the the pro That's the gone. pro guy you know his name's Daniel and I've known him forever and he was like dude if this is the one that feels the best coming out of your hands like that's the one you need to buy and I'm like I respect that you know yeah. and he could have made like 300 more bucks off of me selling me the the the, the newer Hoyt and uh, he didn't which I appreciated too uh, he he wanted me to go with what was comfortable yeah so so maybe I'll cover some of the things to look for yeah when we talk about feel. So there, there's a bunch of different aspects to the feel of a bow. The first thing you're going to notice is the grip. Um, and there are some bows that are designed to feel really good in your hand. Uh, Hoyt has a very good feeling grip in the hand. Um, and then there's others that don't have any grip at all. It's just the, the bare riser. So we can get into, we can go down a hole different rabbit hole with how the grip is supposed to integrate with your hand and that. But, um, I mean, that is part of it. And and the grip is going to be something you're in contact with every single time. But there's also, as you draw the design of the cams are going to determine how, I mean, it's kind of hard to explain, but how the bow feels when you draw. So some bows, especially faster bows that have real aggressive cams, they're going to start real difficult, real difficult, and all of a sudden break over and be real easy. Um, there's bows that are designed to be a little bit smoother drawing, and those are a little bit less aggressive cams. Um, sometimes they're a little bit slower. It all depends on the specs and how they're built, but those bows, like a smoother drawing bow, will be more consistent from the start of the draw to the finish of the draw until you hit what's called the back wall, which is when that bow comes to a stop once you're at full draw. So the cam design is going to play into that. Now I just mentioned the back wall. Some bows, when you come to a stop that has like a, a spongy back wall, they'll, they'll refer to it as, or you can kind of, even when you're at full draw, you can kind of pull into it a little bit and it's kind of squishy feeling. Um, I like a bow that as soon as I get to full draw, I can pull as hard as I want. That bow is rock solid. There's no movement at all. It's just, it's solid. So th- these are some of the things that I kind of look for when I'm, I'm shooting bows and trying bows and, and just things to be cognizant of as you're going through it. Um, and then usually the last thing that everybody talks about with feel is hand shock. Uh, Brian, you mentioned it, uh, trying yep. to put stabilizers and accessories on bows to try to get rid of the ting or like the, the little bit of vibration that results from the bow being fired. Um, some people are, I'm actually one of them. I don't want any hand shock, uh, at all. So, uh, Matthews and there's a couple other brands out there that are really good about it, but Matthews has very, very little hand shock. They have, that's one of their like claims to fame points. Yeah. Claims to fame is how little hand shock there is. Um, so those are all going to play into your decision. Does hand shock matter? Ultimately, no, not at all. But it, it, I just like the way that it feels, and that's a feel thing for me. Um, my cams are pretty aggressive, uh, so they it's not a very smooth draw, but that's something that doesn't really bother me, and I don't really notice too much. So it, it's all 
the bow I shoot is different than the bow Brian shoots is different than the bow Carter shoots is different than the bow Josh shoots. And it's all really comes down to personal preference. There's four of us here. We all shoot four different brands of bows and four different models. And so it's all personal preference. Yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. So, um, on the mechanic side, um, of the bow stuff, when you have hand shock in your bow, that is a loss of energy coming from the string reverberating through the limbs into the riser. So you're losing energy somewhere. Something's loose. Something's just not tuned right. It And, and that may be if you're shooting. So I shot the PSE Omen and had a ton of hand shock. Um, it's a super fast, wicked fast bow, uh, which is kind of where I was wanting to go after, but I just couldn't get over that hand shock. And so just through my research, that was that's a loss of energy somewhere. You're losing something. Uh, and then the back wall, the difference there is uh, a spongy back wall is 90% of the time a string stop back wall. So your cam rotates around and it's actually the cam is making contact with one of those bus cables. And that's where you get that little bit of flex. Okay. If you have a limb stop, which is a secondary piece that sticks off of the cam, when it rotates around, it actually makes contact with the limb and that's a hard back wall. Um, which those are adjustable and you can do all kinds of different things with those. Um, but like you said, it's all personal preference. Um, with mine, it's, it's a Hoyt, it's a speed bow. So the, it, I don't like a huge dump because when there's a huge dump on the back of the cam, that bow wants to torque in my hand left and right. You'll see that residual just kind of until I stabilize it out, which then you can run into hand torque and all that and the other. So I just wanted a smooth draw all the way through. And that's what Hoyt did with the Z1S and uh, it just kind of made it a whole lot better for me. I'm now realizing we should have done a full episode here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There's so much we should have gone into. I I should have known putting Chris and Brian together. We should, we should have just done a full one, but Brian, you have one of the smoothest draw cycles I have ever seen. And if anybody follows you on Instagram, they see you shoot every day after work. Yeah. Um, we're already running up on 22 minutes here, but one, how does that factor into you? Like, how does your draw cycle factor in when you're purchasing a new bow or what should people look for in that draw cycle? Right. Cause people talk about a draw cycle and, and what that means, but like, what are, what are some checkpoints that they should think about when considering that? So slow, smooth, smooth is fast. Uh, if, if you have to, and I've seen folks pull the bow off to the side as they're drawing, that's it. Anything in the woods is going to spot you. So if you have something that is super stiff on the front, it's an aggressive draw and then it dumps at the back, you have a lot of movement. So I wanted to be as absolutely smooth as possible. And the way the Hoyt cam just rolls over, even with the VTM, it just was smooth draw all the way through. There wasn't a huge dump. And then I just roll right into my anchor point. I'm really only even I start my draw a little high and then I come into it. Uh, I don't want to be that far off target any way, shape or form. I want to, if, especially if you're shooting at an indoor range, you generally want to draw in the general direction of the target. Um, and that only goes to practice when you're in the woods. If you're not even looking at the animal, they could be in a completely different place when you get that draw cycle where you need to be anchored and looking at it. So I just, it just smooth. I like it smooth. The Bowtech was phenomenal. It was, it was a very close second, but it just wasn't fast enough for what I wanted to do. Would someone 
who's on the edge of say 60 and 70 pounds or even 50 and 60 pounds, the draw cycle can make or break what limbs you go with. Because if you, if you have a a real aggressive cam, but you're right on that fringe of 60 to 70 pounds trying to decide, you might not be able to draw a 70 pound bow efficiently or 70 or you might not be able to draw the heavy, draw the heavier bow efficiently. Um, but if you find a bow with a smoother cam or smoother draw cycle, you might be able to go with a heavier bow. That's, just... that's, that's where Bowtech really came in clutch with that comfort setting. That comfort setting almost won me over. It just yeah. wasn't It just wasn't producing the speed at my arrow weight that I wanted for a short draw length. I just want to, I want to go through anything that sits in front of me. Yeah. So what do you say, Josh? What you got? Just sitting over here taking it all in, man, learning. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I, to be honest, I, I'm by far an expert like you guys. You know, I didn't, I didn't start bow hunting until I was probably about 16, uh, old enough to get in the woods by myself and drive where I was going, you know. And um, I, I think as far as my tip, you know, everything I've learned about bow hunting, I've had to figure it out on my own. I've had to ask questions. I've had to learn by making mistakes, learning from mistakes through t- trial and error. You know, um, my tip: don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, you know, I will say, be careful asking questions on groups, forums, things like that. Um, if you guys have a question, anybody, listeners, people that are new to bow hunting, you might be purchasing your first bow. Uh, reach out to any of the, the hunt with the team members, and you know, you'll get a uh, you'll get a, a huge response of, of people that are trying to help. Um, you know, you can get some negative experiences on some groups and forums, you know, especially someone who just trying to learn. Um, but, uh, but yeah, just reach out, uh, learn by trial and error. You know, you guys kind of touched on it also. I mean, find a, uh, find a pro shop, find, uh, several pro shops, find one that you trust, try to shoot a lot of bows, go by feel. Um, you know, you'll know it even if you shoot, I mean, however many bows, but, when you find the one that you're going to buy, you'll know it because it feels right. Um, you know, it just, whatever it is, explain it. You know, obviously, like I said, I'm not an expert, so I can't get real technical like you guys, but it feels right. Um, but uh, when you find that bow, shoot, shoot, shoot some more. Um, get comfortable. Like like you said, Brian, I mean, I see your Instagram videos, man. You shoot every single day. <laughs> but uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, man, trial and error. I mean, the the best thing you can do ask questions, learn, uh, you know, jump into it, pull the trigger on it, and start bow hunting, and you'll learn from there. I mean, that's that's kind of you want to learn by experience, and if you have questions along the way, find uh, some type of uh, support that can help you. Find people that you can ask questions to, where you're going to get uh, get good answers. Like I said, if uh, anybody new to it, trying to get into bow hunting, want to buy their first bow, or have any questions, really anything in this. Uh, in this realm, you know, anybody on the hunt with D team would be more than happy to help out. But yeah, that's about all I got. I enjoyed listening to you guys. I, I learned, <laughs> I learned a ton in the 25 minutes before I even opened my mouth. So I, I'm, I'm good with it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, you got any closing thoughts for us, man? Uh, I would say that the reason bows are built the way they are built and the reason there are different models is for the use. So like I mentioned before, you have speed bows, you have smooth bows, you have longer bows, you have shorter bows. So ask, 
talk to your bow shop, tell them how you're going to be hunting, what you want to do. If you plan to shoot 3d with it, if you plan to just hunt with it, um, and tell them what you want and they'll be able to point you in a direction of at least a model. And then for once you get to like a general, how you're going to use it, what this bow is for that, that you'll be able to shoot as many as you can and, and go from there. Like Josh said, you'll know when it feels right. You don't have to be technical to love your bow. What about you, Brian? What you got, man? No, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I mean, like I said, shoot and shoot and shoot. I shoot literally every single day. Um, and, and it's, it's progress makes or I'm sorry, practice makes progress. I mean, that's the only way. I mean, put yourself in awkward situations, shoot from sitting, shoot from kneeling, shoot from a tree stand. If you can um, make those shots count, always aim for the exit. For sure. Um, Brian, where can people find you on Instagram? If they have some archery questions, uh, I am at Bobcats underscore and underscore broadheads. Um, you'll see my, crazy cousin cooter on there sometimes uh, big fan big yeah. fan of your cousin cooter yeah everyone seems to like him quite a bit so i've actually teamed up with swat broadheads and i'm doing a giveaway tonight i'm going live at five so i got a couple packs of broadheads and a good hat so it's uh i'm trying to grow trying to make it work hell yeah that's awesome man it's been awesome watching your your growth and you dumping your passion into your page so listeners definitely go check them out chris Thank where can you. folks uh dump their questions to you man yeah you can find me on instagram too at c.d.paige um i love getting bow questions too so feel free to reach out i'll talk bows all day yeah absolutely dm me whatever i'll 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 even make a phone call if i have to hell yeah listeners don't waste your time messaging josh or i just message brian and chris (laughs) if you message me i could put you in touch with either brian or chris uh strategy uh you know white tails i'm good any uh, questions about limbs and cams and i'm good yeah i'll, I'll pass it on food plots and western hunting draw odds i got you but there you go you need to know, uh, uh, white tail hunting guitars and baseball just let me know if not ask the other guys hell yeah well i appreciate it guys let's get a full length one scheduled and We'll get after it. And listeners, as always, we appreciate the hell out of you guys. We'll talk to you next week.